It is 138. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO Radio, your good neighbor station. It's the Chad Hartman Show. Nothing's happened. Chad's off. I'm in. My name is Shaletta Brundage. If you like what you hear today, you can always catch me on Saturdays from 11 to 2 on the Shaletta Show, sponsored by Otto Brimmer Trust. Now, we got just a mess going on right now in the Twin Cities. I mean, I didn't think it could get any uglier than George Floyd. I thought we would learn from that. I thought we would uh, progress, that there would be policies in place to prevent, uh, you know, just this, this appearance of what we're seeing happening in our own eyes less than two years from the day that Derek Chauvin knelt on George Floyd's neck and killed him in broad daylight in a modern city in the United States of America in front of women and children, and nothing was done in real time to prevent it. But here we are. Here we are. After Dante Wright's uh, shooting and, 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 and killing, we've got a... Uh, We've got a a case. We've got to get to the sentencing uh, for that case. And and, and now here we are. A mere lock. And I know for a fact, and and there's receipts where Jacob Fry said, no knock warrants. Uh Uh-uh, not on my watch. Well, guess what? Guess what happened? There was was a no knock warrant. And I have to talk to Scott Gillespie and John Rash uh, right now because we are uh, playing politics. And and this is a political fallout. It is a political mess. Heads will roll. And uh, folks are looking sideways at uh, Mayor Jacob Fry. Now, Scott, I I have to ask you, how how is this going to play out for him? Well, he's definitely Shaletta under uh, extreme heat. uh, And he should be. Uh, he did campaign saying that he would reform the police department. Uh, he had authority over the police department before. Uh, he's got even more uh, authority over city government now as a result of the election. Uh, and, uh, and now he, he also has he appointed an interim chief, and he's got to find a new chief. And in the meantime, as you well point out, We've got another case of a police officer uh, shooting a, a young man who was not the subject of the search in this particular case. So uh, I can't predict exactly how it will play out, but the heat is is there and it's going to continue to be on Jacob Pry. Okay, Scott, how, how uh, and John, you, you weigh in on this one, John, how... Is there any way that he can uh, fix this? How can he make this situation better? I I mean, I remember when, you know, the news release came out right after uh, George Floyd died. I I was in the newsroom and I tell this story all the time because I could I can remember what I had on when they said, oh, well, you know, he died of natural causes and, uh, you know, no big deal. Nothing to see here. And then Darnella Frazier's auntie called and was like, you got to get down here because we got this video. And I get down there and there's seven or eight people with video and everybody's looking at it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, and so then we realized what happened. And, and I almost felt a sense of deja vu because, you know, what, what we were told and then what we saw with our own eyes. I, I don't know if they were gaslighting, a flat out lying or, or just naive about, you know, what happened and what we saw on that video, John. 
Well, I think that in terms of Mayor Fry in particular, good policy is good politics. He shouldn't worry about the politics of it at this point. The election is over. He's asked for another four years to lead, and now is the time to lead. And they have got to, to get the policy itself straightened out. They have to get the communication of the policy and what's happening with the police department and the transcendent concern about crime in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis in particular, figured out. And he's got to lead his city that he is mayor of through that. And in terms of how it plays out politically, that should be the furthest thing at this point from Mayor Fry's mind. He should be in a position where he can work with the city council colleagues, work with city residents, and work with what I'm sure is probably going to be a new police chief. It's highly unlikely that the interim one will stay in her job after this event and truly reform the department and get control of crime in the city of Minneapolis. Okay, now I got to back up, John. So, 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 but how can we go from, from talking about this to actually implementing it? You know, I, you know, we've sat through news conferences where they said, this is what we're going to do. And they've communicated it and everybody's standing there in their role, you know, with their badges and suits on and, you know, everybody's on one accord and shaking their head. Yes. And then this keeps happening. Very good question. And one wonders, including us on the editorial board, how this keeps happening, how the miscommunication keeps happening with Mayor Fry's re-election campaign, and it does make people understandably uncertain if the mayor is up to leading the department and the city out of this morass at at this point. So, you know, there's no simple step, there's no instruction manual, but there clearly are examples of leadership in other cities, states, and indeed the nation in terms of how to take control of a situation and be able to improve it and garner the confidence of the city residents. This is deeply shaken, of course, Minneapolitans, but Minnesotans and the nation as a whole. And it's you know, quite disappointing that this seems to keep happening in the city of Minneapolis. Meanwhile, it's imperative, not just important, that Mayor Fry keep an eye on the overall crime situation that's happening in the city, while the understandable Um, protests and backlash against this have happened. There have been many other people who have been victims of crime. And so I sense also that the state is and should have a responsibility for this, Shaletta. And during the legislative session, they're going to do as much as they can to try to beef up public safety, try to make it more attractive to hire police officers, because Minneapolis and many other cities are way down on their required numbers at this point, and to try to address this as an entire state. Okay, now, Scott, this this is what I want to know. I, I was out there, and people had signs up. They want Jacob Fry to retire. They, I mean, uh, to, to, to quit. They want him to say, bow out, to say, you know what, I resign. I'm going to step down. I'm not the person for this job. There were chants uh, d- during the march where people were saying, we want you out of here. You need to just go. You are not the person for uh, this job. Do you think that that is something he is considering? I, I have no way of answering that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would, I guess, guess that he isn't. And I, I want to make one other point here. Michelletta, you asked, you know, this keeps happening. How does it keep happening? We, there's too much gun violence in America. 
There's too much gun violence in Minnesota and in Minneapolis and St. Paul. In this particular case, the police were investigating the murder of a man. They've now arrested a 17-year-old and charged him for that. He happens to be Amir's cousin. He happened to have access to that apartment. He happened to live in an apartment in the same building. That doesn't excuse the shooting death of Amir Locke, but we have to acknowledge that there is a role. We want the police to solve violent crime. We want them to solve murders. We want them to investigate them. The question is, to what extent do we want them to do that? And then can they do it in a way that doesn't put someone who's not the subject of that investigation? And so far as far as we know, Amir was not at all. How can we do it in a way that doesn't put him in danger? And, you know, this is the thing that black people are looking at, uh, Scott and John, is that Dylan Roof can get arrested after shooting down a whole church full of folks without a scratch on his body. Uh, In fact, on the way to jail, they stopped at Burger King to get him something to eat because he is hungry. But somehow, yeah. when it comes time to find black suspects who they think uh, are involved in crime, because we don't get due process, we get gunned down. Uh, when they get ready to go find black folks who may or may not be involved in a crime, uh, guns are drawn, no knock warrants are issued, they come in the door, don't announce themselves, gun blazing, and if that black man gets shot, then that is collateral damage on the way to investigating the crime. And for a yeah. black woman who has three sons i'm tired of seeing it absolutely i understand and uh one of the first stories i ever covered as a reporter 40 years ago in milwaukee was a case of a 17 year old black man who died in police custody there was no video back then and he was in the back of a van and no police officers ended up being fired in that case they put a chokehold on him they had picked him up for a rape that was later determined he had absolutely nothing to do with it. Mm. And his name, his name was Ernest Lacey. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget his name. I'll never forget the names of the others who died innocently. Uh, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I think, although I can't feel it the same way you can as a white American, uh, but I, yeah, and and John, I, I just wanted to tell y'all this story. And and my poor daughter, um, she is eight years old, and I, you know, because I am active in what is going on in my community, we are out there, and I don't go and leave my kids at home. You know, I look at a uh, Bernice King, Dr. King's daughter, who is the head of the King Foundation. Now, her father had her on the front line with him, and I use that model from Dr. King with my kids. So if you see me out in the community, whether I am passing out gift baskets at the hospital or we are marching in protests for civil rights my children are with me they've been down to the square they've been at the protest and my daughter uh john came to me the other night she woke up three times and i was like you got to get back in the bed little girl why do you keep waking up and she said mom i had a dream that the police uh came into our house and they arrested me for no reason and this is this is the crazy thing we had to have a talk about what to do if police barge in the house and we didn't do anything wrong, how we're supposed to handle ourselves, how we're not supposed to have any sudden movements. This is a three o'clock in the morning 
uh, conversation that I'm having with my eight year old mm. daughter because she has been out to the protest um, talking about and trying to get justice for the next generation of people who look like her. And now she can't sleep at night, John. Well, I'm very sorry for her and for you and for so many other parents who have to have that 3 a.m. conversation with their eight-year-olds or, you know, slightly older and sometimes maybe even slightly younger. And indeed, you know, this is a Minneapolitan, a Minnesotan, and a national problem that is continuously roiling our country and needs to be addressed. From a um, transcendent position, I concur with Scott, you know, at the root of this is gun violence that is uncontrolled in this country. And, you know, I think that it's completely appropriate um, that we are and people in the city, state and country are talking about Amir Locke. And, you know, certainly people should also, you know, Scott talked about remembering names. I think it's important, you know, to also remember, you know, the name of Otis, our elder, um, who was allegedly shot by certainly not Amir Locke, but by the 17-year-old who was arrested on the alleged um, murder of of, uh, Mr. Elder, and the fact that the suspect who they arrested for that already had a gun conviction of shooting someone else near a Brooklyn um, Park gas station. And so I think that, you know, we have to look at this holistically as a society, and there's no doubt that there's a disproportionate effect on some people in some communities, but we have got to do something to reduce the gun violence that results in these tragic instances, which, of course, you know, I think it's important to also note that, you know, this is different than the Derek Chauvin uh, murder, um, the murder conviction that he had on, on George Floyd. Um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, what exactly happened here and, right. you know, more facts will come out. and We'll have to see, you know, if and how it's, it's adjudicated, you know, in, in this dispute. But the police certainly have a very difficult job as well. And again, that goes to the root of, of the gun violence that's happening in this country. John Rash, Scott Gillespie with the Star Tribune. Thank you so much for being on the Chad Hartman Show today. This has been a very um, difficult but engaging conversation that needs to be had. And, and I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you chiming in and giving us your perspective. Thank, Thank you, Shaletta.